Hey everyone, welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our new here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our Next Steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. From beginning to end, He is the same. From dawn to dusk, from death to life, He is eternal. He is sovereign. He is our teacher, our healer, our provider, our redeemer. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. Palm Sunday. I love this, and we are here to worship and celebrate our Savior. You know, Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus made it really clear. He made his intention really clear. He came in to Jerusalem, and he just basically said, hey, I'm here. Here I am. The Messiah, the one you've all been waiting for, I am here. Jesus has come, and our world will never be the same. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you feel like you're saying it and, you're, and you keep saying it over and over and they're just not getting it? You know what I'm talking about, you know? And maybe it's a roommate or maybe it's a spouse and you're like, we keep having the same conversation. Maybe we're not communicating here, but, but I'm saying this and somehow they're not hearing it. Or, or maybe it's at work and it's a coworker or, or maybe it's an employee and there's just a job performance thing and you've had the same conversation like, all the time you're going what is going on I say the same thing but somehow they're not getting it and I care about them and I want them to know well this happens in our life right I remember growing up and my parents would tell me to clean my room and, and now I'm a parent and so now that's my role and my time you know and, and, and my girls are pretty good about it but there's sometimes I feel like I'm saying the same thing and and so I try to say it in different ways right I try to say Hey, good job. You've got all the clothes off the hangers and on the floor. I've never seen that before. That, that is impressive. You know? And I keep thinking, maybe they're going to get Or Hey, listen, we lost uh, you know, your sister. We just thought maybe she'd be in here somewhere under something. You know, we can't, can't fight her anywhere. And, and you think, they're going to get this. Or we say, you know, hey, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? It, although it's not in the Bible, by the way. But, but we try that. We go, you know, this is it. And finally, at some point, you have this conversation, right? You're like, listen, 
I'm your dad, okay? And I'm telling you because I care about you and I see where your life is going and I know one day you're going to have a roommate or one day you'll be married and this is going to be important. So I need you to clean your room or whatever it is, right? Maybe you have a friend, if we take it a little deeper, right? And you've watched their life and you've seen some of the decisions that they're making. You're just like, no, 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 no. You're watching the direction that they're going. And you're just like, ah, you've got to stop, right? He's not right for you. Or she's married. Or you know what? This financial decision, you can't just keep buying a new car every year. You're going more in debt. And, and you keep saying this. And you watch their life. And it's just spinning out of control. And finally, you have what? A come to Jesus meeting, right? I mean, you finally say, hey, listen, we've got to talk. I care too much about you to watch this unfold. And I'm going to put our relationship on the line. I'm going to tell you because I care about you. And you can't keep going this way. It's Palm Sunday. And it's the time that Jesus comes in for Holy Week. It just basically says, I'm putting on the line. I'm making it really clear. Here's who I am. And here's what you need. Now, we're in this great series called Jesus Name Above All Names. And it is an awesome series. And we've talked about Jesus being eternal. Right? And he is. I mean, he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And the Gospel of John starts out, in the beginning was the Word Right In the beginning, and the incredible assurance for us is this, Jesus has always been and Jesus will always be. So we may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know Jesus is already there. And that can give us confidence that whatever we face, we've talked about Jesus being sovereign, that he is all-powerful, that whatever we face, we can say, God's got this. <laughs> Deep breath. God's for me. God's with me. God's for me. We've talked about Jesus being teacher that he came to reveal to us how God wants us to live. We've talked about him being healer, right? And whatever wounds we carry today, that Jesus can bring healing, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. We've talked about Jesus being provider, and he is our provider. He meets our deepest need. And today we see that Jesus is redeemer, Redeemer. Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and we will worship. But today, Jesus is our Redeemer. And there was a lot of confusion about Jesus back then, and there's still a lot of confusion about Jesus today. And even though Jesus was making it really clear, I mean, literally, Jesus' name means salvation, right? Jesus would tell them as he taught, he said, listen, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. And yet there was still confusion. A lot of people thought, well, man, he's such a good man. And he's a great prophet. He's an incredible moral teacher. You know, he is the leader of a movement. And Jesus goes, oh, I am so much more. I am the Messiah. And I am here. Here's what C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis writes this. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who said he was a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You could shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or 
you could fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Let us not come up with some patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You know, Jesus is salvation. There's a lot of people that want to talk about God and a lot of people who are great with God. But, but Jesus is the dividing point. What do you believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus came to redeem and restore. And Jesus came in on that Palm Sunday to make sure nobody back then missed that fact. And Jesus is here today to make sure none of us miss him. Welcome to Palm Sunday. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We've been walking through the Gospel of John, and it is so deep and rich. I mean, it's just God's Word coming to life. We've actually had a 40-day journal, and I hope you've been keeping up with these devotionals written by people in our church, and just so awesome to see God's Word speaking to us each and every day as leading up to this time, to this moment, to this holy week. And now we come to John chapter 12, and right, the Gospel of John was written by the Apostle John, who was an eyewitness. John was there. I mean, John walked it. John lived it. John heard it. John was with Jesus. He was with Jesus through the miracles. He was with Jesus through the teaching. John was there at the cross. John was there at the empty tomb. John was there, and he writes it down and says, hey, guys, I want you to see what Jesus is and what he was doing. And it says in verse 12, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, i got to stop right there. Because, you see, there were three major feasts every year that Jews from all over, wherever you lived, you had to come to Jerusalem. It was important for you to come to Jerusalem to worship there at the temple. And so people would come from all over. So Jerusalem would swell to three to five times its normal size. I mean, people sleeping out on the Mount of Olives. I mean, they're camping out. Everybody's coming into Jerusalem. The city is packed. And this was Passover, right? Feast is capitalized right there. You see, this is like the granddaddy of all the feasts. This is the big one. This is everybody is there. And now there's an extra buzz because they hear Jesus is coming. Jesus had done most of his ministry up in Galilee. He had come down to Jerusalem for the feast and some different times. But most of his ministry was up in the Galilee region. And now he's coming to Jerusalem. Onto the biggest stage. Three years he's been teaching and saying, this is who I am, right? I am the son of God. And people were like, oh, is that John the Baptist? Or is that Elijah? Or is that Jeremiah? Is that one of the prophets? Or, Man, he's great teaching. That's amazing. That's awesome. And Jesus would go, no, let me make this really clear. Here I come. And he comes onto the biggest stage at the feast. And he enters in. And it says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember last week we talked about some of the names of God. And Jesus, the very essence of God, the fulfillment of God. God incarnate who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. All of these are messianic sayings that come from the Old Testament. And the people were so excited because they thought Jesus is coming. And he is a political Messiah. He's going to come and overthrow the Romans. He's going to come and establish us to a place of prominence, right? He's going to do those miracles like that. The feeding of the 5,000. He's going to do those things. And Jesus goes, oh, I'm so much more. Jesus found a young donkey and he sat upon it as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's 
colt. Now this is from Zechariah 9.9, a prophecy written hundreds of years before. But it was saying, this is the kind of Messiah I am. And I'm not coming on a stallion to lead a, a war. I'm coming on the back of a donkey in humility to lay down my life for the sins of the world. Well, at first, his disciples did not understand all this, right? Even though Jesus had said it over and over, Jesus had told them before, hey, guys, listen, you know, I'm going to live it out, and then I will be crucified, I will die for three days, but I'm going to rise again. He's told them all of this, but they're still not getting it. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had been done these things to him. Now, the crowd that was with him, underlying crowd, kind of in your mind, right there. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Now Lazarus was out in Bethany about two miles away. He was really close. And Jesus had raised this dead man. And I love this incredible story, right? And Jesus goes, they're friends of his, and Lazarus has been in the tomb. And, and Jesus comes out, and Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. And he says to the tomb, right, Lazarus, come forth. And it's so powerful and important that he said Lazarus because if he would have just said, come forth, all these dead bodies would have come out. It would have been mad chaos, you know. So he just says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes walking out and the people are blown away. And everybody's coming now to Jerusalem. The crowd is there. And many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Picture the scene, right? All of these people. All these people wondering, is he a prophet? A good teacher? Look, he's come. And the streets are packed with palm branches. Hosanna! But just a few days later, those streets would start to be empty. And the same people who chanted Hosanna were the same people who had cried, crucify, crucify, crucify. We had the chance in October to be in Israel and, and to walk the places where Jesus walked. And to be there to think about the Via Della Rosa and to think that the crowds who were there cheering him on, when they began to understand there was a price to be paid, the streets became empty. And our Savior, who loves us so much, came to redeem and to restore us. And he came only for the crowds. He came for disciples, men and women who would follow him all the days of our life. He came to be our Redeemer. So what is this? As we talk about redemption, what took Jesus from this popularity to go down the Villa Della Rosa to carry his cross. What is redemption? Well, the Latin word for redemption means to buy back. That's what it means. And the definition is this. It's the action. It's the action of saving someone from sin or error or evil. It's the action. It, it takes something to redeem, to restore. Something has to step into that place. So, so why do we need redemption? Most people would say, well, I'm pretty good, you know. <laughs> Why do I need redemption? And yet the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And I think if we're honest, we would go, yeah, I, I have, right? I don't need the Bible to tell me that. I, I know, right? I could even think back to this weekend. I could even think back to this past week, some of the things I thought, some of the things I did, some of the things I said. Yeah, we've all sinned and fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. See, God created you, and God created you for a relationship with him. And when God made you, it was perfect, right? But then at some point, sin entered into the picture. Sin entered into the story. And we said, God, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. And we broke that relationship with God. Holy God. And now, sinful man. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Well, death means separation from God. And if you think about all the things that God is, right? God is holy. God is life. God is light. God is love. Well, think about the separation and what comes with sin. Holy, sinful, life, death, light, darkness, love, fear. We've all sinned. We all need redemption. We all need help. We all need hope. And into this, Jesus becomes our redemption. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, but God, but God, but God. Think about that just for a moment. God's the one who took the initiative. God's the one who came to you. God's the one, even in our brokenness, even in our hurt, even in our rebellion, even in our mistakes, God comes to us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, far from him, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's Palm Sunday. And Jesus makes it really clear. I am the redemption. I am the hope of the world. I am the one who has come for you. The Bible says if you confess that Jesus is your Lord, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But like C.S. Lewis talked about, right? You have a choice. And the crowd had a choice that day. We could wave the palm branches on Palm Sunday, but are we still waving the palm branches when Jesus takes up the cross? Are we still walking with Jesus when things get hard? At some point, we've got to decide. Is Jesus more than just a, a good man? Is he more than just a great moral teacher? Is he more than just a prophet? Is he truly the son of God? Is he truly the Lord of my life? My redeemer? My restorer? My deliverer? 
This past Thursday, we started our Men's Leadership Network back, and it, it's just so great. Our, our goal with Men's Leadership Network is to help grow godly men. And I, I love so many of the men here at Rolling Hills who are stepping up as spiritual leaders. And that's our heartbeat because we know as God impacts men for Christ, it impacts marriages, it impacts parenting, it impacts jobs, it impacts communities, it impacts generations. And we're seeing that. And, and this past week, we had uh, Coach Bryce Drew, who's the coach at Vanderbilt Basketball. They were just in the NCAA tournament. And Bryce was talking about how he grew up in a Christian home, but it wasn't until he was in ninth grade and he was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat. And he'd grown up playing basketball all of his life. Basketball was kind of his life. And then he's laying on an operating table. And on that operating table, he said, you know what? I had to decide, what did I really believe about Jesus? Was it my parents' faith? Because I didn't know if I was going to wake up. I didn't know if I was ever going to play basketball again. And on that operating table, I said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Regardless what happens. Regardless what comes. There's a guy in the Bible named Saul. And this guy, man, he grew up at church. I mean, he knew the Old Testament better than any of us. I mean, this guy, he had a great job. He was successful. He was wealthy. And yet one day, he was out on a business trip. He was walking down the road and the road to Damascus and he met Jesus. And he had to decide, what do I believe about Jesus? And how will Jesus impact my life? And the transformation that came in Saul's life to become the Apostle Paul to write over half the New Testament. But it comes for you and for me. Redemption. And what I want you to see is it's not Christ plus anything, right? It, it's not Jesus plus baptism. As great as baptism is, and I pray that every one of us would be baptized because it's an outward expression of our faith in Jesus. It's a call, but it's not the water that saves us. It's not the water that redeems us. It's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus good works. I mean, we could try to be good, but, but we can't redeem ourselves. We will never be good enough. It's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus church. I'm glad everybody's here today. I'm glad we can worship. I'm glad. I love, I love, I love, I love church. But it's not church that saves us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our redemption. Jesus is our calling. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus made it very clear back then and makes it very clear today. I've come for you. I've come for you. Now, the process of redemption is twofold. Number one is this, justification. And what does that mean, justification? Justification is imputed righteousness. And, and I love this, I love this, I love this, because this is only God, right? I mean, while we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, and we couldn't do anything about it, when we were living with the guilt and the shame of all that we've done, Jesus died for us. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, the righteousness of God, there was no sin in Him. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. And when you and I are in Christ, then when God looks at us, He doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our failures. He doesn't see our past. He sees Jesus. <laughs> we are justified by his grace. But here's the second part of redemption. It's this, sanctification. And sanctification is living out the righteousness of God. It's that our lives are changed. Our lives look different. We've been changed. 
We've been transformed. We've been redeemed. We've been restored. We've been made new. See, redemption is the gospel. It's the good news. And the gospel doesn't come to fix us. The gospel comes to make us new. The Bible tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And isn't that good news? I mean, the old in our life, the failures in our life, the mistakes in our life, those are gone, right? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, right? Don't just go along with the crowd. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So does your life look more like the world? Or does your life look more like Jesus? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If anyone is a Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. And then I love this, the new has come, right? The new. So what does it mean to be redeemed? What does redemption look like in us? Here's what it means. Redemption. Redemption humbles me. Redemption humbles me. I realize that I can't do anything about it. I realize my dependency on God. I realize that he is God and I am not. And in your life, are you growing more humble? In your life, are you growing more dependent on the Lord? It's not that we're all there yet, right? It's a work in progress. But in your life, are you looking more and more like Christ? Redemption humbles me. The second thing redemption does is we become new. Redemption empowers me to be generous. It empowers me to be generous. You know, in our old nature, right, it was all about us. It was all about what you could do. Last week we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. And you know what struck me is this, is that nobody went back to say thank you to Jesus. Hey, we have this great meal and nobody goes back to say thank you. All they said is we want more. Do that again. Do another trick. Do something else. And nobody just said, hey, thank you. In our lives, we begin to understand the depth of what God's done for us. And it makes us generous. It makes us want to give our time and our energy and our resources and who we are to make a difference in others. Is that you? Is that me? Not that we're perfect yet, but are we growing? Are we progressing? Redemption also does this. Redemption calls me to love. It calls me to love. You know, as you look over in chapter 13 of John, Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, guys, a new command I give you. Love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, right? Here's how all men are going to know you're my disciples. If you love. If you love. Are you growing in your love? Am I growing in my love? Redemption then challenges us to forgive. We realize how much we've been forgiven. We realize what God's done for us. And then we start to forgive. I'm telling you, forgiveness is a hard thing, isn't it? It's so much easier for us to hold a grudge. It's so much easier for us to be bitter and angry. But yet there's something that happens in our heart when we turn around and forgive. And we begin to let go and let God work through us. There's a freedom that comes. 
Is there somebody in your life you need to forgive? It's only the power of God that can break those chains. It's only the power of God that can redeem and restore. And then redemption, redemption allows me to be content, to be content. You, you know that Apostle Paul, he wrote in Philippians chapter four, he says, guys, I, I know what it's like to be well-fed and I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to, to have plenty and I know what it's like to be in want. And when I was redeemed, Paul says, listen, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content when people are cheering the name of Jesus. And I've learned to be content when times even get hard. I've learned to be content when things are going great in my life. And I've learned to be content when maybe I'm a disciple and I'm walking down the Villa Dolorosa with Jesus. Because Jesus is enough for me. Is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough? Is Jesus enough in your life? See, I think the great summation of the Christian life is this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Jesus goes, I want this to be so clear. I want you to know me because that's where hope and peace and joy and contentment come in Christ. And Jesus loves us too much to let us live the life apart from him. So he comes to us to redeem and to restore. You know, one of Jesus' most famous stories, it's my favorite story that Jesus ever told. And it's found in Luke chapter 15. And the story was told in the context of this, that, that Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and, and people who were far from God. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I've come to redeem you. And there were some religious leaders there, some of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And they start giving Jesus a hard time. And they were saying, why are you hanging out with these kind of people? And, and so Jesus told a story. He said, there was a man who had two sons. See, a lot of times we call this the story of the prodigal son, but it's actually the story of two sons because both were in need of redemption. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons and, and the younger son came and said, Dad, I'm tired of living in your house. I'm tired of living by your rules. I'm tired of you telling me to clean my room. I'm tired of trying to do things. I, I, I just want to live life on my own, right? I want to go off and do whatever I want to do. I want to live the way of the world. I want to go with the crowd. Dad, in fact, Dad, I want my inheritance. Essentially, Dad, I wish you were dead. Whew. For any parent, you're just like, whoa. What's amazing is Jesus said the dad gave him the money. And the kid takes off and he goes to the big city and it says he's spending wild living. Right? He's going to every bar. He's buying rounds for everybody. He's the hit. Man, he's living it up. Everybody wants to be around this kid. He's going out all the time with every different girl every night. He's living it up and everything's great. And he thinks, yeah, see, Dad, check it out. This is the life, right? So the money runs out. And all the friends bail. And he finds himself alone and afraid. And the only job he can get is to work in a pig pen. And that's the worst possible job for a Jewish boy. And he's in this pig pen 
And I love how Jesus says, he comes to his senses. He starts to realize that he, he's hungry and he wants to eat the food that the pigs are eating and he's covered in manure and he thinks in his mind, wait a minute, even the servants that work for my dad, they have food to eat, they're taken care of. Uh, maybe I'll go home. I'll go back. And he starts rehearsing the speech and he's thinking, you know, I know, I don't know how dad's going to respond. I don't know, but, but here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, you know, dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you and, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Maybe one of your hired servants. Let me earn my way back, right? We all want to earn it. Let me earn my way back. And so he's starting down the road and he's thinking, I don't know. This is a bad idea. Should I go back? Hey, he's going to accept me or not accept me. And, and I love as Jesus talks. He says, hey, the dad sees him from a far way off. His dad is pacing right at the front porch, and, and every day the dad's just thinking, man, I hope he comes home. I hope he comes home. I hope he comes back. And he sees him from a long way away. And Jesus says, the dad runs to him. He runs to him. And, and to run back then as a patriarch, I mean, that was undignified. You didn't do that, but the dad doesn't care, man. He just hikes up his robe, and he just starts running to his son. And he throws his arms around his son, and he begins to kiss all over his son. And his son's covered in manure, and he smells, and the dad doesn't care because it's his child, and he's just kissing on him. And finally, the kid pushes him away. He's like, Dad, 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 stop, 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 stop. I got this whole speech. Dad, 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 listen. I have sinned against heaven and against you. And dad's like, yeah, you're right. You know, listen, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could get to make me one of your hired servants, let me earn my way back. You know what the dad says? No, stop. Were you ever worthy to be my son? You were always my son. There was nothing you were ever going to do. Lose that. Hey, come, bring a robe and put it on my son. Bring sandals and put it on his feet, because only the servants, the, the ones, they went barefoot. The ones who were the children, they got shoes. Bring sandals, put it on his feet. Put a ring on his finger. This was like the power of attorney, the signet ring. You, you giving him charge over money? Are you kidding? Look what this kid did. He put a ring on his finger and kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. Because this son of mine was lost. He's found. He was dead. He's alive. But then Jesus said, there's another brother, a son. And he's out in the field, and all of a sudden, he hears the band warming up. And even though he's close to the home and he's close to the father, man, his heart has grown hard, and he has moved far from the father. And he hears the party starting to happen, and he makes his way back to the house, and the servant comes by. He says, hey, what's happening? He goes, hey, your brother's home. Your brother is home. And you would think the brother would be like, yeah. But what does he do? He just gets angry. What? I can't believe it. Look what he did. He doesn't deserve that. Look what I've done. I've been the one working hard. I'm the one who deserves all this. I'm the one who's going to earn it. And Jesus says the dad comes out to him too. Right, the dad came out to the younger and the dad comes out to the older brother and the dad comes out and says, son, what are you doing? There's a party. Your brother's home. Come on in. And the older brother gets angry. He says, look. Doesn't even call him dad, right? He just says, look. 
been here doing all this. And you've never even cooked a goat for me and my friends. And the dad's like, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. But this brother of yours was lost. He's found. He, he was dead. He's alive again. He's been redeemed. He's been restored. Where is your joy? Look at what is happening here. And then in Luke 15, Jesus just ends it. He, he doesn't tell us what the older brother did. He doesn't tell us if the older brother realizes the the hardness in his own heart and realizing his own need for the Father and realizing his own need for grace and love and forgiveness. He, we don't know. We don't know if he came into the party or if he grew bitter and angry and just stayed outside. But we know this, he needed redemption just as much as the younger. And for every one of us, Holy Week is a time that Jesus just says, here I am. And you may be looking for a lot of things in this world to satisfy. But I want to tell you it's only me. It's only me. So what do you believe about Jesus today? Not what does your family believe? Not what does your church believe? Not what does your country believe? But what about you? Is Jesus your redeemer? Is he your savior? Is Jesus enough for you? Is he your hope? Is he your joy? Where are you with Jesus? Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service and we wanna encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ. And we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.